You don't ever refer to the Holy Spirit as it. Because the Holy Spirit is a who, not a thing. He's not a force. He's not a feeling. He's not a, just a, an emotion or a, or a power. Uh, he is the very person of God, the Holy Spirit of God, the third person of the Trinity. And so uh, he's personal. That's what that means. He, he wants to have a personal relationship. Our relationship with the Holy Spirit was never intended to be just where we feel something and that's it. But where he speaks to us, he leads us, he guides us, he comforts us, he comes alongside us, he empowers us, and he, he teaches us, he reveals things to us because he is personally the one who is sent from heaven to empower us in our relationship with Jesus. And so when you become a, a follower of Jesus, you receive the Holy Spirit, and so the Holy Spirit, the very presence of God, comes and dwells in you. And when you receive Jesus, you become a temple for God's presence. You become the very dwelling place. In the Old Testament, the old times before Jesus died, only God's presence was only in a building. But God's presence is not a, in a building anymore. He's in people. He's in, in the people of God, in, in His people, the church. And so this building is not a church. We call it a church, I know. But this is not the church. The people are the church. And so wherever there's, that's why Jesus said, wherever two or three gathered, I'm there with them. In other words, my presence is with you because my presence is among my people. And so we've talked about, you know, what the Holy Spirit empowers us to do. We've talked about even things like spiritual language and, you know, praying in tongues is more commonly known as and talked about questions and confusions, how to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the empowerment of God to release the gifts of the Holy Spirit in your life. And tongues is not the only gift, just a reminder, it's one of the gifts. Uh, but God wants to empower us with so many gifts and so many things to reveal himself to the world and to build up the body of Christ. In other words, we're supposed to have supernatural things happening in our lives so that we stay encouraged and built up. So that we, we, are, we are lifted up because uh, we need that, right? We're being torn down all week. Anybody notice that? Maybe more lately than others, but we're, we're, being, we're being assaulted with stuff all through the week that tells us uh, that the reality is here on earth, not the reality in heaven. And so the Holy Spirit comes as one who is sent from heaven to bring the reality of heaven to the now, to bring the future heaven into the present earth. Because only God can do that. And so last week we talked about do not quench the Holy Spirit. Do not put out the Spirit's fire and do not despise prophecy. And so that was the whole message. So you can see that online uh, if, if you go online. Uh, if you care to study that. I can't review all of that this week. But that's where we've been. And so today we're going we're gonna to talk about one more command where God in His Word says, do not do this to the Holy Spirit. Last week was do not quench the Spirit, and this week is a different one. So Ephesians 4, uh, at some point I'll get there. Everybody doing all right? You're doing all right? Go ahead and shake your left foot, okay? Um, Making sure somebody did it up here. Just kidding. Uh, Ephesians 4 and verse 
we're going to come right in the middle here. So Ephesians is a book that starts off with the first half that tells what happens when you become a Christian. In other words, now you're a different person, and here's what God has done in your life. Here's why he chose you. Here's how he, he delivered you. Here's how he's freed you. He set you apart. And in the last half of Ephesians, is like, because God changed your life, here's how you live. And here's something we don't think about. Um, when the Bible was written, everybody was a first-time Christian in their family. Nobody had grown up in church. Everyone was a first-time convert to believe in Jesus. We have something different now. Now we, we grow up, some of us grow up in it. And so we, but every single person in the New Testament, it was their first time they were the first one in their family to receive Jesus and then receive the, the presence of God, the personhood of God in their life, the Holy Spirit come and dwell in them. No one else in their family had ever done that before. It's kind of an amazing thought. So when the Bible was written almost exclusively to people who are receiving Jesus for the very first time. And so it's spelling out, here's what's happened in your life because they didn't know. No one had taught them anything. They didn't know anything. So that's why Paul has to open it up and say, let me tell you what happened to you. You're like, how come they didn't know what happened to him? Well, they, they experienced something, but like, here's what actually happened. Here's the change that's happened in your life. And they knew they were changed. There was no like just changed by association. Like I didn't just grow up in this and like, oh yeah, that's, that's what, this is the only world I know. No, they were transferring themselves from another world into the world of the kingdom of God in relationship with Jesus. And so Paul says, look, here's what happened. You've received the spirit. You've received all these gifts. You've received all these things in your life. And now here's what happens when you have that in your life, because the whole point of the people of God is to display who God is. That was the whole point of the Old Testament too, by the way. One of the major points was this. God taking a people and setting them apart to reveal himself to the world. And one of the major ways he did that, of course, was bringing Jesus through the Jewish people. I understand I'm trying to explain like the whole Bible this morning. So uh, my wife's like, yep, better stop. So. Uh, but that's the, this is a big picture right here. It's so, God is so, he has such a big picture view. We have like just a right now view, don't we? We're like, oh my gosh, what happened this week? And God's like, yeah, I knew about that week. But I'm thinking about weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks and months and years ahead of your life. I've got the big picture in mind. Hey, that thing that you think is huge right now, I see the big picture. I see it all. And I am taking you from where you are today until, to the place that I want you to be, and I am bringing you forward, ultimately, to heaven. So you are being changed. You are being transformed. You are being crushed. You are being manipulated in a, in a good way. You know what? When I'm talking about manipulate... <laughs> the wrong word, right, Scott? Uh, when you, like, manipulate a Rubik's Cube, you move it. You change things. God's not manipulating us by deceit, okay? Just clarification. So, being transformed, absolutely. Being changed. And so he's doing that. How does he do that? The Holy Spirit in you. And you have to have a relationship with Holy Spirit. Because he's the one that does the work. He's the one that changes you. That's why, why do you think 
there is so much confusion about who the Holy Spirit is in the church. It's because he's the one that is going to mark God's people and bring the dramatic change in the lives of the people of God to where Jesus is revealed to the world. You got it on both sides. You know, if you get really into the Holy Spirit, you know what the Holy Spirit is always doing? Revealing Jesus. He's always exalting Jesus. So he's never going to be just about who he is and saying, it's all just me. No, he's going to lead and say, no, Jesus is Lord and you need to have a relationship with him. And I'm going to lead you into that. I'm going to lead you closer to him. And so Paul here goes on. And he's saying about how you're changed. So verse 23, Holy Spirit, we invite you to open the word to us as we read it. So we're picking up right in the middle. That you will be made new in the attitude of your minds. And to put on a new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So there's the purpose right there. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood or put off lies and speak truthfully to your neighbor for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who's been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands, that they may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice, that's like evil intent, thoughts of evil. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. Follow God's example. Therefore, as dearly loved children and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But among you, there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or of greed because these are improper for God's people. Nor should there be any obscenity, foolish talk or coarse joking which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure or greedy person, such a person is what? An idolater. You worship another God other than Jesus. Has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God? Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. For you were once darkness. But now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. 
I think the screen stopped, have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. 15 says, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. I even read long. I was planning to read long, but I just kept reading because it's so good and so clear. And so when we come to this passage, the focus I want to make on is really just one verse. But I read all of them and I know God was speaking to you about whatever verse he needed to speak to you on. It's this. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. So what does it what does that mean to to grieve the Holy Spirit? Yeah, what what exactly what is that? And I think of it this way. Someone can only be grieved by someone else if they love them. You know, Joe whoever, I'm sorry if anybody's name is Joe in here, okay? <laughs> John whoever out there, he does something, even if he even says something about me, it, it has no effect on me. I'm not bothered by it. I'm not, I'm not grieved. I'm not, I'm not sad because I have no relationship with Joe whoever. I can't do John. It works with Joe. Sorry. <laughs> but somebody close to me whom I love, man, they can hurt my heart. I, I, can be, I can be angry and sad and full of love all at the same time. Those of us that are parents know that feeling. Because when you have somebody that you love so much, and then they go do something completely stupid. Or when they act like someone they're not created to be. You're like, that's not who you are. But it, it hurts. It, it grieves your heart. And so here's the good news. If you can grieve the Holy Spirit, that's good news because it means you're a child of God. Because there's a relationship there. Because it's, it's personal. That God personally loves and cares for me. So when I grieve the Holy Spirit, it's, it's, it's a sadness that's anger really mixed with love. You're not so much mad at them. There might be a little bit for us humans, but we're going to, you know, God's not so much, it's not he's angry. He's, he's angry that it's happening at all. Because we were never created to be that way. And so then when we read all these things that say, don't do this, don't do this, be like this, we have to read it in the context 
of a loving relationship. Because if you come to this with only a relationship with the rules, then it's just going to be law to you. And the Bible says, with the law is the power of sin in 1 Corinthians. You want to make somebody do something? Tell them not to do it. I mean, look at our country right now. I'm not going to get into like all the issues here. I'm not going to shoot myself in like both feet. <laughs> My wife is like, actually, let's talk about one. No, I'm just <laughs> what is the sure way to make sure everybody doesn't do one thing? Tell them you all have to do that. There's some of you that's like, I ain't doing it. I don't care what it is. I was before I was for it before you told me to do it. I was going to do it. And then you said, no, you must do this now. And you're like, oh, yeah, <laughs> I'm free. <laughs> Freedom! I'm a patriot, man. I'm, I'm one of those people that's hardcore, you know, whatever. It's, it's because with the law is the power of sin. And so just telling someone, do this or don't do this, without relationship, never works. It didn't work in the Old Testament. It didn't work with the Old Covenant. That's why God had to send Jesus. If it worked, Jesus wouldn't have had to come and die. Because God had already laid down the perfect law. He'd already laid down the perfect rules. He'd already laid it out. For, like, here is how to live an amazing life and not screw up all your relationships and not hurt people. But it wasn't enough because there wasn't, first of all, there wasn't the relationship, but there wasn't the inward change that needed to happen in human beings so we could live the life of the Spirit in the present time. And so that's why the Holy Spirit comes. He comes and He empowers us to be changed. And so when we, if we grieve the Holy Spirit, we grieve the Holy Spirit by being someone that we're not created to be in Christ Jesus. He gives a bunch of examples here. He says, hey, when you're talking, are you grieving the Holy Spirit with your mouth? Because he's, He can go, oh, why are you talking like that? Why is that word or those words or that that heart coming out of your mouth? And he's sad. He's hurt by that. He's not hurt in a way like, you know how people are. There's a whole thing where just everybody's hurt about everything. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about like just being offended at everything. He's not offended. He's not personally diminished by what we do. He he hurts because he loves us. And because of that love and because he wants to display a people living together as the people of God to show the world what he looks like. If we lie, we don't look like God. If we're impure, we don't look like God. If we're angry and sinning, it doesn't say ang- anger is sin, it just says in your anger do not sin. If we're angry and that leads us to sin, that doesn't look like Jesus. And the Holy Spirit is the one who comes. It's His work to change us. He's the one renewing us. He's the one changing us. But it's all about relationship. It's about a relationship with the one who will transform your life. But you can't have a relationship with someone when you, when you meet with them for an hour once a week. Not a deep one. 
If I only got together with my wife for an hour a week. There wouldn't be much else happening in that hour. (laughs) There's not going to happen anything the rest of the week. There's just nothing, no connection, no nothing. Is she going to open up her life to me? Is she going to? Is she going to confide her her fears in me? Is she going to trust me to love her and be secure in my love with just an hour a week? Felicia said no. (laughs) Jesus invites us into a relationship with him that is so much more than a religious ritual. But sometimes what we do is we try to get people to do the rituals first without the relationship. Right? I can tell you to read your Bible a hundred times a year. Once on Sunday, once on Wednesday. That's 104 times a year. I mean, most of you aren't going to be here 104 times. I get that. But, you know, I can tell you that over and over again. And you might try. But if you get a you get a, a relationship with the Holy Spirit who begins to open up the words of God and and it begins to be life to you, then guess what? You don't need a rule anymore that says read your Bible because you are changed on the inside and you want to read your Bible. Now, I'm not saying that all the time we have the right desires. Sometimes we have to tell ourselves what to do. Like in the scripture, it says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that's within me, bless his holy name. That's you talking to yourself. That's you. Sometimes you have to tell yourself, no, you're, fo- you're going to follow Jesus. You're going to, your soul, you're going to follow Jesus. I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to get close to God. I'm going to get to know him better. I'm, I'm going to speak that over my life. I'm going, to, I'm going to make an effort. So there's a partnership in my life, but the Holy Spirit is the one that stirs it up in us. All he needs is permission. He's not going to force us because that doesn't work. Because then it's law again. It's not a relationship. We're not under the law. We're under grace. Grace is about a relationship with the Holy Spirit who leads us to get to know Jesus better. And it's also all about relationships with one another. I mean, those are the two relationships, your relationship with God and your relationship with other people, especially other believers in Christ. Why do you think the devil works so hard to get people ticked off at each other as Christians? He doesn't care if the world's mad at us. That's not his intent. But if he can get you with another follower of Jesus where he can split you apart, then what does the world do? They point and say, see, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. See, you have Jesus, but you're just, you act just like I do. But... On the flip side is this. What happens when someone sees two people who go through a very hard time, who hurt each other, and then choose to forgive? And, and God heals their hearts, and they 
there is a restoration of their relationship, then the world can say, hey, something happened that's not normal. That's not normal for those two people to stay married. Those, two, those people, they, those people should, have, they should have been divorced years ago. But because of the work of the Holy Spirit that supernaturally releases transformation in our personal lives so it affects our relationships with other people and especially those closest to us, then the Holy Spirit changes us and we begin to live like light instead of darkness. And day by day, it says we're changed from glory to glory in 2 Corinthians 3.18. We are transformed by the renewing of our mind. And then we know what the will of God is, it says in Romans 12.2. So there's always this transformation. We're conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. Because we're meant as a people to display who he is. And so all these things here that Paul is laying out are all things that only happen in relationship with other people. It's hard to lie to somebody else if you're never around somebody else. I mean, it's like, you know, if a tree falls in the forest, you know, can anybody, is, does it make a sound? You know, it's the same thing. If I lie to someone, but they're not there, does it count as a lie, you know? But the point is, is this, there's relationship going on on earth. And so... The relationship I'm meant to have is meant to be healthy with someone else who knows the Lord. Someone who doesn't know Jesus, I don't expect them to be healthy, and I probably can't have a super close, healthy relationship with them because they don't have Holy Spirit in them. Not because I don't love them, not because I don't care about them, but because they need Jesus in their life. They need Jesus to be the Lord of their life. And once they begin to be Jesus, the Lord of their life, then I am connected with them. I am now united in the spirit. That's why it says in Ephesians 4 earlier, it says, keep the unity of the spirit. You know what? In the Holy Spirit right now, we're all connected if we're followers of Jesus. We are one. There is no disunity. There is no division in us. It doesn't matter what kind of church we go to. It doesn't matter you know, what we believe about this thing or that thing that's not the most important. If we believe in Jesus, that Jesus is the Lord and the only way to salvation, we believe the Bible is the word of God, we believe all the core beliefs that are spelled out in the scriptures, guess what? We're we're united in our hearts. We are one in Jesus Christ. And so anything that would try to separate us can grieve the Holy Spirit. It could be my mouth. It could be my anger. It could be my actions, which could cause me to be impure. It could be bitterness, rage, brawling, all these different things that list. There's all kinds of stuff that says, you know, coarse joking, all these things. Anything impure and greedy, such a person is, is an idolater. It's like, whoa, that's serious right now. In other words, you're worshiping an idol. Why? You're like, how can he say that? Well, Because when the Holy Spirit is in charge of your life, guess what? You're honoring Jesus. When something else is in charge of your life, guess what? You're putting that thing above Him. When I lose control of my anger and I hurt other people, I'm saying that my feelings are more important than Jesus being Lord of my life. Now, that's impossible to do if you don't have someone in you who's holy. Here it says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God. 
This is the only time this phrase appears in Paul's writings where he spells it out, Holy Spirit, uh, the Holy Spirit of God. In other words, he's making a point. You're holy and you're transformed because of who's in you. Because of who lives in you. Because of who's changing you. Now don't sadden him. Don't hurt him. Don't do something that's going to make him weep. Live a life of love. You know, this echoes, for those of you who like Bible study, in Isaiah 63 and 10, the same thing is said. It's kind of an echo of that. It's, it's a passage where it says, they grieve the Spirit of God, talking about the people of God. And it was, it's in the context of the presence of God going with them. In other words, and, but they grieved him. And so Paul is saying, look, it's happened before. Don't, let's not do it again. Let's not grieve the Holy Spirit. And then it says this. With whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Which is an awesome promise right there. There's over and over again in the Bible. It, several times Paul talks about you, you were sealed by the Holy Spirit. You know, what does a seal do? What, does everybody know what a, what a seal is? It's like, you know, back in those times they would, you know, have a, have a scroll that was, that was sealed up. And so they would melt wax and then stick in, you know, an insignia or a ring of some sort. And it would mark that, that wax and then it would dry. And then everyone would know who that letter belonged to or who wrote, who was the source of that thing? Who, who wrote this letter because it had their seal on it? And so God puts his seal on us in the same way to say, you belong to me. The Holy Spirit is the seal that says whether or not you belong to God. But it's also, it's also authentication. So the seal is not just ownership, it's authentication. What does that mean? How do I know something is real or not? You know, when you're searching, anybody, anybody surf the internet and try to buy stuff on different sites like eBay or whatever? You know, and uh, yeah, I'm a guitar guy. So I'm going to, you know, I, I sometimes watch videos on how to play guitar better and or just you just want to hear the person play the guitar. It's just so cool. <laughs> You're like, no. <laughs> like, just, oh, man, that play, it just sounds, it's just so fun to, like, you know, some of you are into watching plants grow online or whatever you're into. Um, time lapse, watch the grass grow. Um, but so, you know, online you can, you, can, you can find all this stuff. And so if you're shopping, and there was one channel I was watching, and this guy bought a, a super expensive guitar, but it was a fake. Uh-oh, yeah. I mean, we're talking like... Three to five grand for this guitar. Nice guitar. Uh, totally worth it. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Most of you, you need to change the application to guns, okay? <laughs> You're like, oh, 3,000, that's not bad. <laughs> yeah. Babe. <laughs> so he, he gets the guitar and he does a whole video on like, I bought this guitar online, but it's a fake. And so here's, here's the thing with the Holy Spirit in our lives. 
the Holy Spirit is the mark on our lives of the reality of God's presence and his truth in us. To say, no, this one's real. Hey, is Tommy real? Look, oh, there's the Holy Spirit right here. This is, this is the real, real thing right here, the real one right here. So the Holy Spirit is the seal of authentication in our lives to say, you really are a believer in Jesus. Sometimes we need to know that, right? Every single person probably wonders some, at some point, am I really saved? Right? I mean, sometimes we wonder that about other people. Look around the room, right? You've thought that about somebody close to you and your family. You're like, are they really saved? <laughs> How do I know if they're saved? Evidence of the Holy Spirit's work in their life. Because the Holy Spirit authenticates his children so that the world can see, hey, this is real. But the other thing the Holy Spirit does is this. It says we were sealed for the day of redemption. And it's this. This seal is a seal of endurance. Until what's the day of redemption? That's when Jesus comes back. That's when things are fully realized. In other words, for us, if I die before he comes back, it means my whole life. Every single day that my heart is beating and that my lungs are breathing, that until that day that I am sealed and set apart, that it's not just a temporary thing. That's what it means. Is it's not just a fad. Following Jesus is not a, a, not a fad or a temporary thing. It's a lifelong commitment of all of who you are. And God says, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit and you're going to be sealed for your whole life until you're sealed for that day. In other words, it's for that day that I am changing you. It's for that day that I'm keeping you. I'm empowering you. I'm transforming you. I am filling you. I'm correcting you. I'm training you. I'm leading you to that day because we're all going to the same place if we're believers in Jesus. And we're all going for the same person. Jesus. Whenever we get a glimpse of heaven, what's happening in the scriptures? Everyone's going crazy for Jesus. In the book of Revelation, Jesus shows up and everybody goes... The Savior, the Savior, the Lamb of God. Everyone's going crazy for him. And so the Holy Spirit is saying, I'm going to keep you until that day. This, should, this brings confidence in God's work in your life. In other words, Philippians 1.5 says he's going to carry it out until the day of Jesus Christ. It's the same thing. In other words, the good work that God began in you, he's not going to stop doing it. Even if you give up, he doesn't give up. That's good news because we're probably going to give up sometimes. Some of us are going to give up and we're going to start back again. It's like New Year's resolutions. Anybody remember those this year? Or is it just like, I just want to survive the year, right? <laughs> My New Year's resolution is, is to not have a repeat of last year. Then you're like, okay. I can't control that, can I? Around me. What I can control is my relationship with the Lord. I do have control over that. Nobody can take that away from me. No situation can take that away. 
No newscast can take that away. No virus can take that away. No, it doesn't matter who's in charge. It doesn't matter who's the president. It doesn't matter if our country exists in two years. It doesn't matter. All that we can lose. But my relationship with Jesus and with Father God, with Holy Spirit, cannot be taken away from me. And so I want to get to know him better. But I also want to say, Holy Spirit, help me not grieve your heart. Not so I can do the right things and be a good person, but because you love me and I love you. Because that's how it happens. Jesus says, if you love me, you will obey me. It's never just an obedience problem. It's a love problem. So I want us to stand. We've, I've laid it out for you. We are, we are going to have our leaders up here if you need prayer at the end of our service for anything. If you need to give your heart to Jesus, if you've never done that, you're like, you're talking about all this stuff. Yeah, it doesn't apply to you yet. All of this, if you don't have Jesus as your Lord and Savior, none of this is true for you. But it can be true for you. That's the good news. The good news is that Jesus offers his gift of salvation to everybody freely through his death and his resurrection on the cross. So if you need to give your heart to Jesus, if you, need quest- if you have questions about that, don't leave without getting prayer. Don't leave without coming up here. Uh, but if you need healing in your body, you just need agreement with someone about a situation in your family or finances, whatever it is, then please don't leave without getting prayer. But right now, let's everybody close our eyes, and I'm just going to invite the Holy Spirit to speak to us. Holy Spirit, we just invite you to begin to speak to your people right now. And if there's anything that we need to repent of, anything that's wrong in our life, that any area of our life where we are not looking like the image of Jesus, we are not being renewed in our spirits, we're not looking like light, we're looking more like darkness, the Lord would invite us today to say, I repent, God. I've been wrong. Please forgive me through the blood of Jesus. So if that's you, if you need to lay something before God, do it now. Don't wait until, oh, I'll do that later this afternoon. Do it now. Lord, anything that, that, is, that we would, in our lives, maybe there's things that we don't even know about, God, but you're revealing them to us today that are grieving your heart, that are hurting the heart of the Holy Spirit. We ask you to reveal those things to us because we want to live a life that's pleasing to you. We want to find out what pleases God. We want to be full of your presence and joy and love and peace and kindness and gentleness and self-control. So Holy Spirit, we invite you. But I also hear God saying to some of us this morning, Come closer. Come closer to me. The Holy Spirit is saying, come closer to me. Get to know me. You've tried so long on your own. You've tried in your own strength. You need to get to know me. Because I'm the one that's going to change you. I hear God saying, come closer. 
spend time with me. Quit avoiding me. And so, Lord, we just, we just lay our lives before you. If that's us, we want to answer that call and say, God, we want to come closer. We want to come closer. Help us, Holy Spirit, to know how to do that. Open the word of God to us like never before. Open personal worship time like never before. Open our prayer time, God, where, we, where prayer is not a duty, God, but prayer is a joy. Communicating with you is a joy. Getting to listen to you is a joy. Speaking to you about other people and pleading with you for other people's lives is a joy. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness. We just invite you, Holy Spirit, to continue to transform our lives. Holy Spirit, make us look more like Jesus. We invite you, Holy Spirit, to make us look more like Jesus. Transform our hearts, Lord. Remove wrong motives from us. Remove impure thoughts from us, God. Remove rage from us. Remove bitterness from us, God. Right now, God's saying, if you need to forgive someone, do it now. You don't have time to wait. Forgive them now. Forgive them now. Doesn't mean they, they don't deserve it, but you can forgive them because of Jesus. Through Jesus' death and resurrection, He covers it. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we want to get rid of all that stuff that doesn't look like you. We want it out of our lives. Help your church look like you, Jesus. Thank you for unity in your church. All across this nation, all across this city, to the nations of the earth. May we be brought together like never before, our hearts in unity, to show the world that we are the people of God and that you are real. In Jesus' name, amen. Leaders, if you'll come on up. If you need prayer, uh, please come on up now. And, and uh, if you're coming to our house tonight for our Connect meeting, just come let either myself or Ashley know tonight uh, just so we can have enough prepared for you to be there this evening. And if you need to go, be blessed as you go if you don't need prayer.